Hey everybody, welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen and I've got an incredible show for you today about impact. So we build these businesses, we build these lives for ourselves, this financial freedom, and then what? Like what are we doing along the way? What are we doing with all of this success, with all of this money that comes with it, things like that. And today we dig into an incredible charity called the Veterans Community Project. Mark Solomon joined me. He's one of the co-founders of the organization. And he joins me today to talk about his journey, some of the struggles that he went through in his life, and then also about this incredible charity. And we, what they do is they build tiny houses to get homeless veterans off the street. And I thought that was the end of it. But really, that's like a very small part of what they do. And so I learned a ton on the podcast today with him. I am motivated and excited to be a part of this. We have been able to raise enough money to donate one full house already. And I've got a challenge for you guys at the end of this podcast. So stick around, listen to it all the way through, set aside some time because what we do with all of this, like the impact that we're making in the world, in our families, in our communities, in all of these things is that's what it's all about. That's what it's truly all about. And today we really dive deep into that. So I think you're going to enjoy it. I know that um, it's been a, a, an honor to work with them and to get to know Mark today on the podcast. So I'm going to play the theme music and we'll jump right in. My name is Bill Allen and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. Hey, everybody. On today's podcast, I got an exciting show for you guys. We, um, we did this military event, this Veterans REI Live event, a lot like our Flip Hacking Live that we do every year. I wanted to do an event for veterans, for military folks. And a lot of the listeners that we have attended the event. It went virtual because of COVID, but we were looking for a charity to donate all the money. So we do this event. We brought a bunch of real estate investors in to speak on different topics. It was almost like a job fair for real estate investors. Um, I shared a couple of the uh, recordings for you guys here on the podcast a few, a few months ago. And um, we were looking for different charities that we were going to support because all the money that we raised was going to go to a charity. So 100% of what we got in ticket prices, any VIP upgrades, anything that we did, recordings, things like that. And you can actually still go get the recordings. You can go to Veterans REI Live and grab the recording. I think it's like $99. And all that money is going towards this charity that we're talking about today. So one of the speakers uh, talked about a charity called Veterans Community Project. And we'll hear about it today, but basically they build tiny houses to get veteran uh, homeless veterans off the street. So I'm really excited to learn more about this from one of the co-founders today that we're going to bring to you and hear a little bit of his story, which is exciting because he's a, a military investor himself, or a, uh, he's an investor himself, real estate agent and a military officer. So him and I have a lot in common. We talked a little bit pre-show about his background. It's really amazing. Uh, some of the things that he's accomplished. And I hear some of the same kind of journey and struggles that a lot of us have had in getting our real estate businesses up and running. So Without further ado, I'd like to bring on Mark Solomon. He's the co-founder of Veterans Community Project, also a real estate agent in Kansas City and Longmont, uh, Colorado, and a military officer in the Intel world in the Navy, which obviously we all support here on this podcast. So Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation because you know when we were talking a little bit before the show, I saw a lot of similarities in the growth in your real estate business, a lot like our members and myself. And then some of the uh, like ins and outs of the military, uh, which not a lot of our listeners are probably going to understand, but moving all the time, deployments, things like that, like all the struggles 
that we have that a lot of people look at the success that people have right now, right? And they say, oh yeah, it was easy for that person because of dot, dot, dot. And that's what I see all the time. And so today, what I want to do, we'll spend a little bit of time talking about your background, and then we'll really jump into some of this uh, 501c3 uh, stuff, this uh, Veterans Community Project, the charity, because is like just listening to some of the, the things that we talked about before, it's really amazing to see what you guys have done. And I think a lot of people want to do something like that, but have trouble doing it. So why don't we just start by um, telling a little bit about your background and uh, kind of where you came from, like the cliff notes of your story in, in real estate and moving through the military, maybe. Sure. Absolutely. Well, again, thanks for having me um, near and dear to my heart as uh, real estate and investing and, and all of that. So uh, it's been something I've been a part of since 2005 when I got my license and started doing real estate part time. Uh, just been, you know, interested. I had moved around the, the country for civilian jobs uh, and thought, and this real estate thing sounds interesting to me. Uh, truthfully, I had a lot of really bad real estate agents that I worked with. And so I thought, well, is it really that hard? Uh, it's a lot of work uh, is what I will tell you, right? So um, yet it's totally possible. I just wanted to do it better than, than the other people were. So I got a real estate license in 2005. Actually, um, back up just a little bit. Um, I, uh, 2002, when I, when I graduated from college, I actually took the Air Force officer qualifying test. Uh, I had always wanted to serve in the military and um, just as a I'm, a, I'm a big service guy, volunteered in high school while everybody else was doing other stuff. I was volunteering um, service and paying it forward has always been a big part of, you know, who I am. And so uh, both of my parents, by the way, being from um, Sri Lanka, which is an island off the coast of India. Um, so my ancestors are all Asian Indians. And I, I tell people, uh, my clients particularly, I tell them that my people invented karma. So I got to treat everybody right, you know, so we, um, so wanted to be in the military, just didn't quite work out, ended up getting a tech job after college, uh, back before the, the bubble burst. So I was going to retire a millionaire uh, pretty quickly, but then stocks dropped. Not my fault, by the way, it just happened timing and, um, ended up, um, not getting into the military, but doing the tech thing for a while and, uh, just kind of had gnawed at me for a while. So finally I found a program with the Navy. It's the, uh, direct commission officer program. And you can come right in uh, into the reserves as a, a non-prior service uh, person. And so I applied uh, in 2002, got rejected, uh, applied again in 2003, got rejected. And, I, you know, after 9-11, I thought, oh, yeah, you know, they'll be clamoring for people, right? Not so much. Um, finished my master's degree. I got an MBA uh, in 2004, reapplied in 2004, and finally got accepted. I assume they were tired of looking at my, uh, my application show up. So they finally just came in, um, to, to your point earlier about, you know, people look at the success and they think, Oh yeah, that was easy. Um, you know, I can look back at my military career, I've been in 16 years so far and, and be, I'm very proud of what I've done and the thing, the people I've met and been able to serve with, um, I had to keep going back to get, you know, beaten on for, you know, multiple years before I even got the opportunity to be in the military. Um, it's that stick to itiveness, right? You just got to keep going and, and keep attempting sometimes, even when it doesn't feel like it's, it's going to work for you. So anyway, after the third attempt got in, um, that was 2004, uh, came in as an ensign, uh, doing Intel and, uh, 2005 got my real estate license, uh, living in Minneapolis at the time, ended up moving to Kansas city in 2006, uh, got deployed, uh, in 2007. Um, with the uh, deployed with the army, uh, I was in Baghdad for almost a year uh, doing intel uh, in, with for the three star there, 
and uh, came back and the real estate thing was gnawing at me a little bit and got my license in Missouri. At that point I was licensed in Minnesota, but hadn't really done much, just part-time stuff. Got licensed in Missouri, uh, ended up working for a defense contractor in 2008. Um, I ran uh, two different defense contracts. I was a deputy program manager. Uh, it was about a half a billion dollars worth of contracts out at Leavenworth. And uh, that was a great gig. Loved working for the company. Uh, lots of military folks as well um, that, that worked at those companies. Uh, 2013 though, that contract got awarded to a lower bidder. And I looked at my wife and I said, hey, you know what? What better time to go from a big six-figure salary, you know, running, uh, having 150 employees and running these defense contracts to doing real estate on commission? 100% zero salary. Great, right, honey? Right? Um, she was very supportive because she's an awesome woman. Um, and so I got into real estate 2013 full time and uh, sold pretty much nothing in 2013. Drained a 401k to continue to live my lifestyle, my six figure lifestyle. 2014, did the same thing, sold pretty much nothing. Drained a 401k, trying to live that six figure lifestyle. And uh, by the end of 2014, the missus got tired of that, gave me the, uh, the look that only uh, a bride can give her husband and uh, kind of said, hey, either uh, get to work or go get a quote real job. And so I decided I was going to get to work. I uh, ended up doing, it was October, November, December of 14. I started doing six open houses a weekend, uh, three on Saturday, three on Sunday, uh, made my phone calls during the week. Everybody I knew uh, knew that I was selling real estate. I did that October, November, December of 14, and by uh, May of 2015, I had uh, a GCI of over six figures. Uh, hired my first full-time administrative assistant in August of uh, 15, started a team in 2016, and have gone from there. Every year, we've been in the top uh, 5% of Kansas City Realtors. There's over 12,000 people. Uh, right now, they're licensed in the Kansas City metro area, and we're uh, this this, uh, so far, the six months here uh, of this year, we're in the top 2%. So uh, I've got great people uh, on the team, great people helping run the team. Uh, it's been just tremendous. Um, in the meantime, with all of that going on, uh, also ran into uh, some buddies who were uh, working with uh, homeless veterans. And they were frustrated because a lot of the times the answer had to be no when it came to a vet that needed help. And so um, one of the guys, uh, his daughter and my son were in the same class together. That's how we kind of knew each other. And uh, he came up to me one day and said, hey, you're a realtor, right? Um, can you help me? I'm thinking about starting an organization to do something for homeless veterans and we need some land or buildings or whatever. And I said, sure, I can help with that. So started going to meetings. And next thing you know, um, what's really neat about, at least for me and my career, is that I'm able to connect people. So I may not have all the answers, yet I know a who, right? So I can find that person and say, okay, great. Here's a person who can help you with that. So got us in touch with a great um, accounting company, uh, CPA, that has been running our books from the very beginning before we were even a 501c3. Uh, had another buddy who happened to do that or know how to create 501c3s with the IRS. So got him involved. And um, anyway, just started really connecting with people uh, to help the organization, which was really at the time, basically five people, including myself, uh, veterans who honestly didn't know any better, just wanted to go make an impact. Um, so again, the impetus came from the fact that it, the reality is that where the money comes from is how you can serve veterans when it comes to um, organizations that are out there right now. The people working in these organizations are fantastic. They, um, they are amazing people. They're very patient. They wanna make a difference in people's lives. 
However, funding matters. And so if it's federal funds, particularly, you can only help certain types of veterans in certain situations. Um, you know, a vet who has a dishonorable discharge, well, they're not eligible for these services, right? Our organization uh, will take any veteran who's ever served regardless of their discharge status. Part of that comes with we don't take federal funds. So we had to do it the hard way. And we go out and we raise dollar by dollar with individuals or organizations like yours. So appreciate the support um, in, in the event that you did. And that's how we're able to go help vets and it allows us to be flexible. A couple of things that we wanted to do is one, end veteran homelessness around the United States. That's one of our goals. Two, we don't want to reinvent things that are already out there because there's a lot of great programs out there. Um, sometimes it's, people don't know they exist. Sometimes it's just getting access to them, whatever it is. We want to make sure our veterans get access. And then three, um, it's housing with dignity and wraparound services. So we want to make sure that um, we're not just treating one part of the issue, we're treating the whole person. So um, more than just providing shelter, it is um, how to cook, how to clean, how to budget, um, you know, whatever it is, job uh, placement, resume writing, you name it. Um, if they have a pet, pets are allowed in our, our village that we'll talk about here shortly. Um, we make sure that the pet get, gets healthy along with the vet. You know, when somebody comes to us and says, hey, I, I have an issue. I want to stop, let's say, whatever it is, drinking. I want to stop drinking. Well, great. Let's make that happen right now. Let's get you the help that you need right now because you're ready for that help. As opposed to, well, let me check your DD-214. What's your status? Oh, you've been living on the streets for a while. You don't even remember your socials and you don't have your DD-214. You're not carrying it around. So give me a few months. You stay under this bridge while I go figure out if the paperwork is right. And then maybe I can help you if there's a government program that allows me to help you, uh, blah, 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 right? So four months later, you go back. That person may not be there. They may not be wanting the help anymore, all that. So again, our goal of our organization is just to be able to pivot quickly. When someone says, I need help, you know what? I don't even need the paperwork. I'll go figure out the paperwork later. I'm just going to go help this vet. Uh, and that's basically what we do. So, so long story short, it's housing veterans. It's also um, making sure that they get taken care of in whatever way they need uh, that makes the most sense for them whenever they're ready. Man, amazing stuff. So I'm going to unpack some of that real quick. Yeah. So before yeah. we move on from your background, like you said something about, uh, kind of takes me to this, um, this uh, relentlessness. So you talk, like I just happen to be wearing a shirt. You talk about just like going, going, going. And um, I, real quick, I'm going to define intel for everybody. So that's uh, intelligence officer. So if anybody's not uh, have a military background okay. or doesn't watch, I don't know, Tom Clancy movies or something, might not know what intel is. So uh, intelligence officer. Now you talk about like this relentlessness and draining a 401k and then the next year it's not making any more money, draining another 401k or the same one harder. And so, and then getting to six figures and GCI just being like kind of gross commissions, guys. If you guys are listening to this, a realtor usually speaks in gross commissions, right? That's how much commissions they're making, not the number. Like sometimes realtors will say, I may, you know, sell this amount of houses. Like that's kind of the way, like we, we talk about gross profit, number of deals that we do, all that stuff. And so like help me understand what changed from those two years of draining 401ks and not doing, not doing a lot of business to your wife giving you that kind of like crack saying you just, you got to go out there and, and do it or you get a real job. Like what changed there? Because there's a significant shift that must've happened for you. What was it? So um, for me, I like talking a lot. Um, so this will be an extra long podcast, I imagine. But, um, and so it's really 
I know where my weaknesses are, right? I just will go out and just babble to people all day long. And what I needed was some accountability. So the miss is giving me the, the, the I, right, to go do things. What I did was I parlayed that into, okay, great, I'm going to do this. So um, with my real estate office, I asked people in the office to hold me accountable. So when they saw me up and around just talking to people randomly, I'd be in the middle of a conversation, Bill, and they would literally grab me by the arm, didn't matter who I was talking to, and they would drag me back to my desk and sit me down and say, how many phone calls have you made? Go make more, right? Um, intense levels of accountability. Because for the most part, people say they will do things. I know I'm supposed to go to the gym every day, right? Um, I know I'm supposed to work out all the time. People sometimes will do that. There are billion dollar industries built around trainers and things like that to help us do that. We need accountability. So whether that's just your spouse, whether that's just a friend that you meet at the gym, whatever it is, a trainer, um, you need that. And I needed that from a real estate standpoint, a business standpoint. So I did. I just got people that I knew doing the same thing. Some of them going through the same struggles. We held each other accountable. And it was literally that day by day, hey, check in at the beginning of the day. What are you doing for the day? At the end of the day, what is your day? What did your day look like? What was your success? Where are your opportunities for the next day, right? And there are days, I, I will also say with that, it wasn't like magic. Oh, I worked all these hours and then money came in. It was a lot of ups and downs in that process, right? And uh, so to your point, it's accountability helped. Then on top of that, it was understanding that it's okay to be okay with sometimes things aren't going to work the way exactly you want them to be uh, or to work out. And so that was another thing. I had some deals fall out. Um, you know, a paycheck's coming, a paycheck's coming. Oh, it didn't happen, whatever, for whatever reason, financing, whatever. Um, couldn't get through negotiations, whatever the reason was. Um, I always equate this to people. When I'm speaking to, to groups of people, I always talk to them about this. It's like, you know, everybody's looking at that person at the top of the mountain, right? And they're like, oh, I want to be up there. It's the climb that got you there, right? Well, what happens is that person at the top of the mountain, what they see is another flipping mountain. There's another one, right? And then you got to go climb that one. And then when you're at the top of that one, you got to go climb that one. Um, and, and it feels like, oh, it's just, that's it. That's all you got to do. Well, it's really, and it is, people talk about it all the time. It's the journey. I learned more from that journey than I did selling a lot of real estate. My team on average, we help someone in or out of a house every four days. That is awesome. Yet there's more to it than that, right? Um, it's the counseling, it's the guidance. Uh, I like humor. So we try and throw in, you know, fun stuff with our clients as well. Um, educating them through the process, making sure they know what's about to happen so that they're prepared. Um, and that tends to, by the way, build us better clientele, clients for life. We uh, last year had a 92% referral rate uh, in our business. Wow. And so, you know, that, that works. We'll take that same thing. Now, what are you going to do with all that? Great. We've got success. We're doing all these things. What's, oh, look, here's another mountain. I'm at the top of one. I'm looking at another one. Right. And um, it's, again, that journey is not easy and it's painful. And um, through, uh, I'll, I'll tell this story. I don't tell this story very often. Um, when I first got into real estate, I was in a mountain of debt like all the debt in the world. Um, think of whatever people have. It was six plus figures, not including my house of credit card debt and all that. And um, the, the kind of it moment for me for really getting to work and getting that accountability, because I don't like that, by the way, I don't like accountability at all. Um, and uh, so that it moment was uh, we had Christmas presents. One time we, my parents are in Des Moines and we had driven from Kansas city to Des Moines to, to have Christmas with my parents. And um, I, rather than ask my parents for money, because, you know, I'm an adult 30 something year old person at this point with kids and, and all that, I literally had to unwrap kids' presents and um, take them back to the store so that 
we would have gas money to get back to Kansas City. Um, and that was one of those moments where it's like, you know, that whole story I told originally, I didn't include that, right? So that's where I want people to realize that it sucks sometimes and it's terrible. And there are things you got to do. And I'm not proud of that. Um, I haven't even told my kids that story yet. So don't tell them if anybody uh, sees them. What I will say, though, is that you can do what you want with those uh, those moments, right? It's an opportunity to learn. I never, ever have been and I never, ever want to be in that situation again. Uh, and I'm going to I've done things dramatically different from then to make sure that that never happens again. Um, it's, it's how you look at it, right? It's perspective as far as I'm concerned. And so just having a good perspective on things and knowing that that journey is hard, that getting to the top of that mountain where there's another one, by the way, after that, it's, it's hard yet. There's always, you know, what can you learn from that? What can you do better the next time? And, and uh, hopefully make it easier as you continue to, to move forward. Well, you know, that story that you told about your kids, I think that's really important to tell. I mean, you don't say you don't tell it often, but um, if, if people don't see that and hear that, they think it's easy, right? So all the stuff that we're going through, like there's somebody who, who has been there and done that. And the cool thing that like, when I remember from my childhood is I remember some of those struggles that we had financially. I remember my mom, I told, I've, I've told these stories a ton, but my mom used to grab, like we used to, we were in a, we were kind of living in a neighborhood with people that had money trying to work to become that, right? And I went to a nice school and um, they kind of hanging out with the popular kids. These guest jeans were really popular, right? So my, we would go to the thrift shop and get these old jeans, like uh, other kinds of jeans. And then my mom would find the guest logo and like sew it on there. And I just, I just told the story at our event for Packing Live last year because my parents were there for the first time to hear me speak at this event. And she sewed the wrong color of this logo on there. And I was walking around with a pink one like a girl. And so I just got made fun of, ripped up when I got to school. I didn't know. I'd never seen these. Like, it, uh, it, was, it was nuts. But that kind of stuff, like for me, like that's your kids. Like if they understand that and know that story, it's going to fuel them going forward. Like they're going to see how dad like came out of that. And then it's possible. And everybody else out there, like I tell the story about my son, James, all of his heart surgeries and things like that, not to get, um, any type of um, sympathy from people or, uh, or brag about anything that we've done or any of our successes or any of that stuff. Like all the stories that I tell of like this right here, donating a house, donating a house to a military uh, gold star family. And all the things that we do is to motivate other people to realize that it's it, your problems. There's stuff behind every single person. Like every single successful person has so many scars behind the scenes that you don't see. And if you're just following on social media or listening to podcasts or all that stuff, it's usually the highlight reel that you see. And the highlight reel looks pretty good, but the highlight reel doesn't help other people see how it, what it actually takes to get there. And what it takes to get there sometimes is walking on broken glass, taking your kids' uh, gifts back, um, going through six months of living in a hospital and things like that in the beginning of a child's life. Like All of that stuff is what makes us stronger, which makes us go faster, further, and do all these things. And that's what pushes you to become ac accountable. The yeah, same so thing with the top of the mountain. Go ahead. I was just going to say, your shirt says it, right? It says relentless on it. And, and that's, I mean, that's it. You have to be relentless. You just, you have to keep going. I could have given up at that point and been like, yeah, hey, mom and dad, I want to borrow some money. I mean, I could have, they would have given it to me. We're poor immigrants. I mean, I grew up poor. We had nothing growing up. My parents didn't have an education. They put themselves back through school. My dad became a certified public accountant for the state of Iowa, retired after 20 something years. My mom became an, a, a registered nurse. I mean, we went from literally dirt poor. My parents, when they moved to uh, Canada at the time, they had my brother who was six months old and a hundred bucks and that was it. Um, 
And so, you know, working themselves from that to having three kids, all of us went uh, to school, to college, um, which is something that was a dream for them to even go to college themselves. But then all of their kids went. We all dropped out of school because we're terrible people. Uh, I'm sure my parents hated that. We all went back to school. Um, we each have two degrees. My brother actually has a third because he's a jerk now. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a process for that, right? So, again, I dropped out of college at one point because I just wasn't making the grades and didn't have that accountability because I was busy talking to people. And, you know, it's those sort of things where, yeah, there are lots of – I am actually happy to share some of those stories with folks because you've got to realize that your story is yours um, and it's, it's going to be hard making whatever journey it is you're trying to make. Um, just surround yourself with awesome people who want to help you get there and then let them help you. Uh, sometimes that's just accountability. Sometimes that's the hand up. Sometimes that's the, hey, borrow my car when you need it to get to work, whatever it is. Um, it's just uh, happy to help people who want to help themselves. And, and that's the important part is just you need some people around you that are going to also be relentless uh, as much as you are. Yeah, th this journey that we're on, like you talk about this mountain, like this climb, like you're on this journey and when you're on it, you don't see it, right? So you, you're, you're in pain, you're in a struggle, you're in something, or you're in the good times. You got the ups and downs. Uh, the, the Bible talks about it in these, uh, these green patches, right? You're moving from the brown to the green. Like you're, you're moving in there like throughout your journey. Sometimes you're in the brown and you're moving from these kind of patches of green grass, right? And so for us, it's like, I, I feel like right now, like a lot of my life is in that green pasture right now, but I had to go through this brown. I had to go through this trying, challenging time to get there. And there's still some things in my life that aren't exactly like we have another surgery for James coming up in the next couple of months, probably. So like, there's lots of things that, and we don't necessarily like wear that on our, on our sleeve, on our shirt. Right. So the journey that you're on, regardless of where you are, you're meant to be there, like lean into it and figure out what you can do with it. Like Mark could have, um, could have just, like he said, just said, Hey, I need some money. I'm, I'm just going to give up at this point, or I got to figure out another way, easier way, or I could go through that challenge, those challenges to prove who I am and then come out victorious on the back end. So we usually look back and say like, all these things happened. It was all lined up. These dominoes were in a line for a reason and it worked like this, this concept of, I love the accountability side. Like we have these small group accountabilities that, uh, sessions that we do inside of our mastermind where every 90 days we have five to eight people inside of the different groups kind of match up and meet weekly so they can hold each other accountable. And it's volunteer based and the people that run it are all mastermind members. So it's managed by the staff, but the volunteers run it. And the volunteers who volunteer to run the small group, so like the, the group leaders are usually the ones that see the biggest return because they are, they're putting it together. They're there every single week. They're putting in the time and half of the battle is just showing up to this stuff. Half the battle is just saying, okay, I'm in. I'll just show up. You don't even need to know what you need to do. Just show up, listen, and be in a small group. Like, game on. You're going to do well. But this accountability is huge for me, huge for us. I, I, I'm pretty good at holding myself accountable. When I, but when somebody else is there to hold me accountable, it's, it's, the return is massive. I just went to Ocean City, Maryland. So I go on a trip with my six-year-old. He's six now. This is our fourth year that we've done it, me and him. We fly over to Ocean City. We go with my cousin, my aunt, my uncles, a bunch of my family on my dad's side. And my cousin is like, the, the, the kid is 19 years old, but he's built like a Mack truck. Like, so I, I, go, I go to the gym, I work out, but he dragged me to the gym every single morning. We did his routine. And I was like, whoa, I'm usually like lounging around in the gym. I get, I get a pump in, but it's not like this. And I was, my shoulders were sore for like three days after that. And the whole, him holding me accountable made me work out harder. 
it made me put more in. Like we were together there. So if I was there on my own, I'd be doing my same routine. And so the returns are just massively different in business and life and the spiritual world, wherever, whatever you're doing. So this top of the mountain thing is a, is a huge problem for me as an entrepreneur. Every time I get to the top of the mountain, I'm just looking at another mountain and looking at another higher thing. So I think the challenge that, that I'll say, like using that analogy of the top of the mountain, you're talking about the journey getting there. What I say the challenge in our world as entrepreneurs is be careful of being envious of all those other mountains because you can lose focus and track of where you are and what you're, what you're, what you're doing, like the path that you're on. And so um, that's, my, that's a challenge I give to myself all the time. I constantly get to the top of one and I'm like, okay, I'm ready for the next. What's, what's the next thing that I have to do? And I need to start focusing a lot more on like, why? Like, what am I doing? What's the purpose? What am I really doing this for? Because we can work and work and work and work. And I'm the kind of guy that does that. Um, but if it's all about your family and now you're working 60 hours a week instead of 40 to get to the top of the next mountain, you know, what was it all for when you have enough right now? So well, that's, that's the challenge that I'm going through right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so that's why I also tell people is that you need to look at, um, I, I like the coaches, right? Um, I love having a coach because they don't even have to be um, the most successful real estate person ever in the history of ever to coach me on real estate. Um, it's a different perspective, yet it's somebody that I'm accountable to. And they also are asking me the right questions. And sometimes that is, hey, why are you doing that? I, at one point I was like, oh, I'm going to sell so many houses in Kansas City, like more than anyone's ever sold. And I had a, a coach of mine and they were like, well, why? I'm like, well, because no one's ever done it, right? Like, well, but you're probably making more money today selling fewer houses than you would be if you sold a bunch. And here's, you know, there's, you know, there's a potential of issues and other things that go with it. So why? I was like, oh, well, okay. I guess I hadn't really thought of that, right? So went back and sort of revamped my business plan for that entire next year that didn't include selling the most houses of anybody ever in the history of Kansas City. Um, again, we just need to, because I was actually in a really good spot and sure there were things we could do and things we could change. Yet having that coach and having somebody to, to hold me accountable to the things I really want was very helpful. The other thing I also tell people is you are a product of, and I'm sure you've talked about this before, but you're a product of the people you surround yourself with, right? So it's those five people around you. Who are those people? And again, they don't have to be the best at, at flips and they don't have to be the best at wholesaling. It's not about that. It's about who are the best people you need around you. And by the way, that may change, right? So you've got some friends in your life right now that are great people. Maybe they're just not helping you get where you need to get. Um, and sometimes that means maybe not necessarily pushing them out of your life, but maybe they just don't get as much time of your time, right? Your time is valuable. And so where do you spend your time? And, you know, I've, I've, my wife is, was constantly, especially at the starting of my real estate business, was telling me, it's like, be present when you're present, right? Because I'd be on my phone, uh, you know, uh, and I'm sure probably everybody listening has heard this, this conversation with their spouse before. Um, it's how you really take that to heart. Do you really do that? And I'm doing all these things so I can spend more time with my family. In the meantime, I'm missing family time. So, you know, we were getting, I'm getting ready to deploy. And so my wife came up with this idea. And so we literally just took the last month and drove from place to place around the United States visiting family that I'm not going to see for a year, right, while I'm deployed, um, because we could. And it was awesome. And it was break time. And I wasn't on my computer all the time. And um, I went paddle boarding, and my abs are not really like they should be at this point. But I mean, just all kinds of things, right, um, that I wouldn't normally have done, um, because I could, and I, I just focused on spending the time 
present where I'm at. And that came from some of that coaching in this case from my spouse. Um, but we do, we, there's always that next mountain you can get to. And at some point you got to decide, Hey, you know what? I'm okay with where I'm at and this is great. And maybe I will get there eventually, or maybe there's another time that that makes the most sense. So, um, people have ideas running around in their head all the time. They just have to figure out, okay, pick the ones that make the most sense and then go after them. You can't do all of it. You can't boil the ocean. Um, yet you can make a huge impact. And sometimes those impacts are just individuals, right? Like, have you called that friend of yours that you haven't talked to in a long time and just checked in on them? Maybe that's all they need to just hear your voice and that's good enough, right? That's a huge impact you can make. Um, that's a, a, another level of mountain you can be on, right? It's just make an impact in people's lives. Absolutely. And, you know, Mark and I have, uh, have like an idea of what success looks like for each of us individually. And so if you're listening to this, success to you looks totally different. Like Mark said, he wants to sell all the houses in Kansas City, like the number one and why. Well, okay, what do I really want? Like if you can go that, you know, five, seven levels deep on that why to figure out what it is, then design your life and your business around that. Because everybody that comes through the doors of our mastermind group, I can tell everybody wants something a little bit differently. In the beginning, it was it's seven figure flipping, right? Everybody wants to hit seven figures a year, but that's not necessarily what everybody needs or what they want, frankly. They, they might try to get there and realize exactly what Mark said. Like you build a business that does four or five million, but you're netting less than you were before. And that's not necessarily what you wanted. You actually wanted a more of a lifestyle business than running a team of 15, 20 people. And I've seen it uh, for people that love it and people that hate it. So for me, like I love the team. I, I make less money now than I did before, but I'm filled up and I'm fulfilled by my staff making more money than they did before. Like I love seeing that and I only have to work two hours a week in that company. So because of that, like that's a lifestyle for me. My paycheck comes every Thursday. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of work that happens, but my COO basically runs the majority of the company, the team, the staff, and they're fulfilled. I get to show up once a month. I get to motivate them on a, on a call as a group and I get to lead them and I get to do the stuff that I want to do. So I love that side of it, um, but I do make less money and I'm okay with that. Like that's a trade-off that I wanted to make. And that's, that's the path that I was taking. So let's, let's you know, it's interesting. I heard a, 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 a quote from Steve Wynn recently that um, he says, uh, and it's, it's kind of to the point that you're talking about with um, coaches and mentors said, when you have someone who has more, is more successful than you, that shows confidence in you, it builds confidence in yourself. So someone that has more success than you, that shows confidence in you, like a mentor or a coach, usually it's someone a little bit older or somebody more experienced. They show that they have confidence in you, that they're excited for you, that they're willing to put their time into what you're doing. The confidence that you have in yourself builds. And a lot of times I think that's what happens when you bring in an accountability partner or a coach or a mentor or whatever it is for you. That, but they, show, they spend time with you, whether it's paid or it's free or whatever it is. Like they see something in you. Um, for us, like you have to qualify to come into our mastermind group. You have to be the right fit, the right cultural fit, all that stuff. And then we're going to pour into you and you're going to, because you're going to turn around and give right back. So when that confidence goes into you, it's just so interesting. I like wrote it down, wrote it down. I memorized it. I was like, this is amazing. Because I was constantly saying like, why do these people push me? Why do these people drive me? I'm driving myself. But the second that somebody takes you under, your, under their wing, it's amazing to see the growth that happens. And it's, it's not really like, I've, I've had people come out here to Nashville and spend time with me. And Tyler just told the story recently. I was like, I didn't even do anything. I just held up a mirror to this guy. And I, I told him that his business is very successful. Like, it's amazing. I'm actually jealous in some of the things that they're doing. He, he left here, like filled up so confident to take over the world. 
ended up flipping his four houses in seven days, his doing these seven day flips, all the stuff that he's been doing over the past year, just from that, it's just crazy to see. And I'm not going to take all the credit for it, but a lot of it was the fact that he just saw that what he was doing was right. And so a lot of us, like, sometimes we just need that, like, we just need that little bit of support, that little pat on the back, somebody saying, hey, you're going the right direction. And it's huge in our built confidence building. So uh, we could spend all day on this. Like, I know that we could talk about uh, all of this stuff all day. I want to get to the Veterans Community Project because I want to hear, hear more about, like, um, like what it is. Uh, and, and I've got a bunch of questions about this. So um, otherwise, we'll be, uh, honestly, this will be a two and a half hour podcast. So uh, we can't go Jocko style. We got to keep it, uh, keep it reasonable. So what, uh, tell me a little bit more about Veterans Community Project. You talked about starting with some friends and uh, getting homeless uh, veterans off the street. But like, what, what are you guys actually doing? Like, what is it? So it's a combination of things. So one, it's housing. I, I mentioned housing with dignity. So that's one of the areas we focus on. Um, we, we have tiny houses for homeless veterans. We have 240 square foot houses uh, for individual veterans. And then we have uh, palatial houses for families at 320 square feet. They can sleep up to six people. They are fully code compliant houses. So we're a little different than other organizations that are doing this. A lot of them are providing shelters for veterans uh, in tiny homes. Um, ours are actually connected to city utilities. So city sewers, water, electric, all that. Um, and they are fully code compliant. So they meet all, in our case for Kansas City, they meet all codes for Kansas City new build construction. Um, minimum cottage code size was 240 square feet, which is why our houses started at 240 square feet. Um, so we start with housing with dignity as one area. I will tell you, we know that um, we can right now house 49 veterans at a time, um, including some, some families as well in there. Um, that makes an impact, absolutely. And we put intense programming around each one of those vets that I'll talk about in a second. We also have an outreach center because we know that we can continue to make impacts other than just the veterans that are living in our, our village. So our outreach center in Kansas City is any veteran can walk in and just say, I need a, whatever it is you need. And then we go to work, uh, connect you with the right service, figure out paperwork for you, uh, help you solve whatever problem you're having, um, you know, help you with, uh, you need utilities, great, we can help with that. Whatever it happens to be, uh, you can come in and, and make a request and then we go to work to make sure that we can meet that request or partner with another organization that can help with that. Um, so that's basically the kind of the design around it is we wanted to be able to help people and build an organization that said yes, as opposed to saying no, we're going to say yes. Um, and it's honestly been wildly successful. Now, the journey to get there uh, was not always as smooth as, as that sounds. Um, you know, we've been on CNN and NBC Nightly News, and um, I got a national award from uh, the National Association of Realtors uh, for the work I've done with BCP. All of that is awesome. It came with a ton of work behind it to get to where we are today. Um, one of the things that I know we'll talk about um, is, you know, the, the permitting process and how we, we picked the site that we did. And then um, out here in Colorado, we're going through all of those same things again. Um, we could probably build houses faster uh, and maybe even more of them if we didn't connect them to the city services. Maybe we just had a communal bathroom or something like that. But we've determined that, you know, at, at some point, all of, us who, all of us who have served raised our hand and we took the same oath, right? Uh, to uphold, uh, to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, up to and including with our lives if necessary. My attitude is, and, and my co-founders as well, is that whether that oath was for five minutes or for 35 years, 
at some point you wrote a blank check to your country uh, with your life and we're going to honor that, that commitment. Um, whether you intended that to be the case or not doesn't matter. The point is that that's what you were doing when you took that oath and we're going to honor that. And so that means basically just saying yes. And that's where I was saying before is we don't take federal funds. So, um, you know, for Veterans Community Project to, to survive and be able to help veterans and be able to pivot quickly to help someone who needs something. We had a vet who came into our outreach center, just as an example, um, I don't know why he came in for whatever it was he was looking for, but our case manager who was there working noticed that he had basically like a Swiffer uh, handle as a cane. Um, so they were like, well, that's not okay. Let's go fix that. So rather than just solving the vet's question, um, they basically were like, we're going to do that and let's get you a new cane. So we uh, basically put the vet in the car, drove him to a store, bought him a cane that was fit to them, that made sense. And boom, they're on their way now with, with, Again, it's a small impact, yet I use that as the example because I, I tell people, imagine uh, trying to find the federal dollars that would be okay for a veteran to get a cane, and how long would that take, and what form would that be? Uh, you know, and I don't know how much canes are. Let's say it's 100 bucks, um, but we were able to quickly just make that happen. I don't build canes. I don't make them. We partnered with somebody who already does that. They're really good at what they do. So that's where, like I said, we didn't want to reinvent all, any of these services. So we basically get a vet. We can house them if necessary, or we provide services if we don't have houses available uh, that can still help that vet in whatever way they need. Uh, we have case managers. Um, we're on an eight to one caseload right now with our veterans. Most social service organizations are more like 40 to one. So we keep our caseload small so that um, our case managers have one-on-one -on -one interaction with our vets on a regular basis either in our houses or even the ones that come in for outreach to make sure that they're getting the help they need, whatever that looks like. Okay, so if I understand this right, you're, you've got this, let's use the community in Kansas City. This was the first one that you guys built, right? You've got a community in Kansas City. It's got a certain number of tiny homes. How many, 40 some? 49 total. Okay, 49 tiny houses in there. Uh, maybe a mix of these uh, 240 square foot in the family yeah. houses. And then you have a large 5,000 square foot um, community outreach center. center community center okay, uh, community on the 5,000 square foot community centers um, that helps that's a, a resource for the veterans that are living in the village so the 49 veterans have access to that with case management we have a teaching kitchen in there teaching people how to cook all that kind of stuff meeting rooms all that we also have separately a separate facility that's about a half a block away which is that outreach center um, it's right on a bus line uh, so if a vet shows up, takes the bus, walks across the street, and then right there, they're in our outreach center. So can they just show up and say, hey, I need a place to live. I want to live in one of these houses. What's that process like? Sure. Perfect. Um, great question. So the answer is yes and no. Um, so we only have 49, right? So um, we don't have a waiting list. What we have found over time is that if I said, hey, Bill, um, there's this program right now that we can get you into an apartment. We'll help you because we're Veterans Community Project. We're going to help you outfit that apartment. We'll get you a bed and, and plates and utensils and all that kind of stuff and food. Um, you can live in that apartment or three months from now, you can have one of these tiny houses and it's your own little tiny house that you get to live in. It's transitional housing. So you only get to live there for a period of time. Um, it's also managed with your case manager. You have to meet with them regularly and make progress towards your goals. But you can have the nice tiny house that's your own little place, or you can have this uh, apartment that, you know, will, will work out fit or whatever. Most of the time, people are going to be like, oh, I'll just wait two, three months for that tiny house. So we don't keep a waiting list. What we do is when veterans come into our outreach center, we actually do a um, 
uh, kind of an intake form on everybody um, where we ask a lot of questions and find out what their vulnerabilities are, where they're at most risk, and then we work to address those issues immediately. Um, some of those veterans may make sense for our housing project. And so if that's the case, then we talk to them uh, about if there's a house available, hey, it looks like you're ready for help. It looks like you meet these criteria. There's a whole set of criteria and it's stringent. Um, you got to be willing to help yourself. And there's a whole bunch of other things. Um, and we, by the way, I mentioned the five people you surround yourself with. That's one of the things we talk about with these veterans is who's in your life, right? What are these influences that are going on in your life? And, and are you willing to make some of those changes? Maybe we push some of these people to the side that are the bad influences, things like that. So they get ranked on a scale. And then if it makes sense for them, uh, then, and there's a house available, then they may end up in a house. Otherwise, we will obviously help them. We're never sending people just, oh yeah, go continue to live under a bridge. We're gonna help them. It just may be in another housing program. Uh, we'll just make sure that we get them connected. One of the things we also do just, uh, you know, if you come into the outreach center and you're like, hey, I'm a vet, I need help with housing. Um, we'll help you with the paperwork. It may be, uh, today is Tuesday and it's, you know, sunny out. Well, great. This, this uh, organization over here can help you because that's where the federal funds are only for Tuesdays and sunny Tuesdays. This one over here is cloudy Thursdays, right? So rather than send you all over town and point, we'll actually figure out, okay, this is the organization you need because it's Tuesday and it's sunny. Here's the paperwork you're going to need. We'll help you get that all done. Then if necessary, we'll drive you to that organization. Make sure that we call in advance, let them know you're coming. And now you're just getting help when you show up as opposed to starting the process over again. Um, all of those things, again, we're, the goal is here, these people were willing to give up their life for their country. Let's make it easy for them when they need help, right? Uh, I don't know about you, but for me, uh, going to the VA, I avoided going to the VA after my deployment because, you know, there's guys that are more broken than me. Yeah, let them go, right? It was a hassle. I was on the phone for a while. Um, and after the, the um, veterans passed away, I think it was in Phoenix, and there was a big uh, look at, you know, uh, what was going on in the VA. I got a call from the VA saying, hey, we noticed you tried to make an appointment about a year ago. How can we make that happen? So I, I finally went. Um, what was interesting to me about that process was I'm a real estate guy, so I can come and go as I need. I can be on the phone. I was on hold for 45 minutes multiple times listening to the voicemail thing while I'm doing work, right? People don't have access to that, so how are they supposed to do it? Um, and so, uh, being able to help people with that process, um, the VA isn't specifically one of our partners, but we work really closely with the VA in Kansas city to make sure that we understand their process. So again, we, we triage somebody, make sure that they, Oh, here's what you need. Go in this door of the VA, turn left, go up three flights of stairs, knock twice on this door, give them this paperwork and they will help you. You know, that sort of thing uh, to avoid them having to drive around or get a bus and go someplace and all that. So the goal ultimately for Veterans Community Project is to make things easy when it comes to veterans who need help with whatever it is they need help with. You know, this is a lot different conversation than I thought we were going to have. I thought it was about building tiny homes, putting a homeless vet in, and then they have a house, right? And then there may be some counseling involved. What it sounds to me like you guys have done is you've built an office with that, that's like a, a, a helpful community office for veterans that is going to help get resources and whatever they need. And then you just happen to build a bunch of houses around it because you knew that you would need that almost as, uh, it sounds like transitional housing. That's kind of like the next yeah. direction you want to go. So you've got a lot of like, you have the training center. You have the uh, houses around there, which are uh, like temporary housing for folks as they get back on their feet or they get, the, they get what they need to become, you know, um, better plugged into society and where they need to go yeah. because they've been kind of unplugged and on their own for so long. They just need some training. And you know that these folks, 
with a little bit of training, we know what they can do. I mean, they're, they're capable, they were right? at the <laughs> highest level working with us in what we've done. I mean, some of when I went from the military to the civilian world in running a company and hiring and bringing on staff members and stuff like that, what I realized was we take it for granted what we have inside the military, those folks that, that sign up, that raise their hand these days and say, I volunteer. Now, some of the people that are, are walking around the country uh, didn't volunteer uh, you know, a while ago. So we're fortunate enough now to have a fully volunteer service, but it's some of the most amazing people I've ever been around. And when I went outside that world, I just expected that because it was normal. It was the, it, it, like the substandard military member is, uh, I, I hate to really like lump everybody in, but just the caliber of people that I found inside the military that are serving our country is absolutely amazing. And all these folks are raising their hands saying, I want to go do this. And I, like you said, put our life on the line for our country and just basically do whatever needs to be done to make sure that we maintain our freedom, that we are so thankful to have here in this country. So, and that's where I will say that um, one, the tiniest part, and I joke because I'm, you know, the good bad dad joke guy, right? So the tiniest part of what we do is our, our tiny houses. We're known for that. Um, you talk to people all over and they've heard of the tiny houses for homeless veterans that we're doing. Um, but that really is the tiniest part of what we do. It's really those, those wraparound services we provide. Um, we have uh, veterinary uh, services as well. So a lot of shelters won't take pets. And so, um, you know, if it's 20 below in Kansas City uh, in the winter, um, a veteran's not going to go into a shelter because they're going to leave their dog outside. That's not happening. We understand that that's part of their family, right? So we're going to make sure that that dog gets taken care of as well. So again, it's looking at the kind of holistically, what does somebody need when they're in a moment of, I need help? What does that look like? Um, at some point, if, if we uh, don't run out of time, um, I want to talk about a little bit about what COVID has done, because COVID has really impacted the homeless community as a whole. Um, you know, just side note, you think about this, um, if you're homeless and you're, you've got a cough, it could be allergies, uh, you're not getting into a shelter. Okay, fine. Uh, where are you going to eat? Well, you know, you could maybe go into a library or something like that, at least wash your hands, right? No, nope, the libraries were shut down for a while. So there was literally no place for you to go if you were showing any symptoms of any kind of ailment at all, uh, let alone specifically COVID. Um, and so that put a huge burden on these systems that weren't ready for this pandemic, uh, not only for just everybody in general, but particularly around homelessness. So we, uh, we stepped up in a big way in Kansas City, and we'll talk about that a little later if we've got time. But um, yeah, it's just really looking at, at people as a whole and how can we help them accomplish whatever it is they want to accomplish. We hold them accountable. It's absolutely a requirement in our transitional housing is that you can stay up to two years in a day. Uh, that keeps you in a homeless status, by the way, so you're still eligible for other programs that the VA does offer if, if you're eligible for those. Um, yet, it's like your shirt says, it's relentless, right? Every day you're going to be talking to your case manager. You're going to be checking in. You've got to go to work if you've got a job. We're going to get you a job if you don't have a job. You better show up on time. You, um, you know, you need help with your car. Great, we'll get that fixed. That's not an excuse anymore. Now what, right? So we're going to make these things happen um, for people and help them clear roadblocks so that they can actually get ahead. We had one vet. Um, his house actually got firebombed. Um, uh, 82 years old and um, just living with his dog. And it was actually the wrong house. They firebombed the wrong house. Well, he's on a fixed income, broke his ankle on the way out of the house with the dog. Um, we saw his story on the news, uh, happened to have an, uh, a house available, and we put him in our house for a year um, so that he could, 
he didn't have a lot of issues. He just was on a fixed income and his house burned down. He wasn't going to be able to rebuild. So he could have potentially ended up homeless. Um, we housed him for a year, ha helped him save money. He didn't have to pay rent or anything. None of our vets pay rent. Um, it's basically as long as they're going through their program, we helped him save and do some things. He moved out. There's some apartments across the street from our village in Kansas City. Uh, he moved out um, just a few months ago and moved to the apartments across the street because he wanted to make sure he could come back and pay it forward with other vets. So he comes back, volunteers with the other vets, um, helping them uh, get where they want to get. Uh, he also wrote a really nice letter to our staff and included a really large donation check um, to us as well. So um, it really is looking at, you know what, it's not, he, he didn't have drug or alcohol issues. He wasn't, you know, any of that. It was, homelessness, by the way, is complicated, but he was just a guy who needed help who also had served his country. And we decided, hey, we're gonna get to work and, and just help. And again, that's the flexibility we have as, as the organization, um, the way we, we do fundraising and things like that, it just allows us to be able to help people. You know, what's amazing about that story is you have these, we talked about the coaches and mentors a little bit ago, and he's come back in and I bet for the other veterans that are there, to see somebody who has successfully transitioned out of that community, that gives them the confidence that they need to have confidence in themselves. Just like we, I talked about with that Steve Wynn quote, like that is amazing. When you can see someone who's had success, who's come up. And I mean, people that are listening to this podcast right now. You know my story. Like I was a member of the mastermind group for years. I had, had no idea what I was doing in real estate, did one deal a year and then ended up doing, you know, 67 deals the next year, 135, then 187. And then I bought this company. Like this, I didn't start this company. I didn't start this podcast. For those of you guys who don't know the story, it's like, I was the hair club for men guy inside this company, basically. You know, I was a paying member of the mastermind. It did so much for me. I started to give back. I became one of the mentors, one of the coaches in there, finally uh, became the COO of the company. And then when Justin, the owner was ready to transition out, I said, Hey, I want to take this and run with it. I want to make changes. I want to do different things. I want to make it my own. And now that's it. That's what it is. So if anybody's just started following us for a, a little under a year or a year or so, um, you might not even know that. Like this is a community that I basically took over and I was that person. Like I was the homeless veteran that came into the organization, got, saw success, left, and then came back and said, I want to serve my people. Like I want to serve the people that serve me, that help me. And I mean, I would have no, I, I would have probably have mild success in the real estate investment world without this organization, this mastermind, this group of people. And that's what it's all about. Like the the good people want to stay and, and pay it forward and give back. Because I always say like, they, these folks have done so much for me that it's my duty to give back to that same community that gave so much for me. And well, I see that I like. for all the people that have gone. It's amazing. Well, I like doing these because uh, for me, it is about that. So when I, I like educating, coaching, training, mentoring is my why. That's why I get out of bed every day. Um, and I do that with my clients. I coach, train, and mentor them through the real estate process. I've trained a bunch of agents in Colorado and in, in uh, Kansas City to do the same thing with our clients is um, it is that paying it forward thing. Um, you learn so much by doing that. Part of my accountability, by the way, is I don't like accountability. So what I do is I teach. So when I'm up in front of people and I say, hey, you got to make phone calls to your database, right? And you got to call people you've worked with in the past or just your friends and remind them you're in real estate. Um, I'll be the one teaching the class because then that means that there's going to be a room full of people looking at me, picking up the phone. I better do it then at that point, right? So um, putting yourself in some of that spotlight also helps for some people, not everybody, 
um, yet it forces you to learn information. And now you also have to, to perform, you have to do the activities, right? Um, and so then you've got a new group of accountability around you. And I've learned, by the way, that's my, that's my best accountability is I don't want to let people down. So I'm going to surround myself with people who are kind of looking up to me to like, hey, you're the guy who says you're going to do it. Why aren't you doing it? Well, then I better do it, right? So that, that just works for me. Money is not a motivator. I want it. I want a lot of it. I want to give most of it away. My wife's always taken the um, lottery tickets away when I buy them. Um, I don't buy them very often, but when I do, she always keeps them because she knows I'm just going to give most of it away, right? That's the idea. Um, so money, find out what it is your why is, what, what it is that makes you go, what it is that makes you tick. Um, we had some accountability around uh, real estate stuff where we were writing checks like, hey, if I don't do what I say I'm going to do, here's $5,000, right? Um, you keep that check pinned to your billboard. And then if I don't do it, you cash that check. That's not a motivator for me because I'll be like, oh, they probably needed that money. It was okay. They should have it. You know, they deserve it. So you want to know how to motivate this, on that? Uh, yeah. write, it to a, write it to somebody you don't want to have it. Yes. Write a $5,000 um, so check to the other political party. Write a $5,000 yes, check. I was going to say I'm a big political guy. And so my friends have tried that with me too. And it's like, oh, I don't know if I want to write this big check to the other guys. However, um, like I said, for me, it just happens to be money is not the biggest thing. So again, I surround myself with people who I can coach, train, and mentor. And they're looking at me like, hey, you say you're going to do this stuff. Why aren't you doing it? And then I just go to work. So. Well, you're exactly right. Like being in the spotlight, I just created this, this uh, 30 day challenge for our, our people, anybody that is interested, like raising money. So we need a lot of money for our investment, our flipping businesses, uh, multifamily syndications, whatever people are doing out there. Right. And so learning how to raise private capital is huge for our business. And so what I did, I put the, the, together this 30 day challenge. So I had to create 30 different videos, missions, assignments, all this stuff. Like packaged it all together. And while I was doing that, I'm learning along the way. I'm realizing that I found things during it that I had never discovered before. And some of the, the data sources that I was looking for, like I found some really exciting stuff that I've shared with the mastermind members that is towards the end of this challenge. And then I'm also right now doing it along with them. Like I said, Hey, I got to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to get on here and I'm going to do all these challenges too. And I'm going to go out because we're raising money for commercial buildings that we're doing. I'm raising money for my business all, all the time. We're constantly raising money. And so I'm going to go do it. And then I'm using like my, uh, my videos, my assignments, my missions, all that stuff to give them an example each day of what it can look like. Like this is what, I mean, I, over five years of raising money, I'm in a different place than a lot of people, but, and we're probably, I don't know, 10, $15 million in from about, about the amount of money that's coming in and out of the company. But like at that point now, I'm, I'm trying to set the example and other people are pushing me. People are like, I'm going to raise a million. I'm going to raise two million. Somebody's trying to raise six million. And it's really cool to watch all this develop, but I'm going right along with them. So just like you said, like when we have to, when I know that I have pressure, I have things that are coming up and I have deadlines and people are looking at me, I'm exactly like you. Like, I just don't want to let, I won't, I don't want to let myself down, but more importantly, I don't want to let other people down. And that's, well, that's a higher motivator for me. And most people as, are the as, same. As an officer, right, you know, in the, in the military, I'm not going to do anything that I, I wouldn't do myself. I'm not going to make my, my sailors go do anything that I wouldn't do, right? So um, it's that same thing, lead by example. Now, that doesn't mean that my job should be to go do all those things. Absolutely. That, I have a job. It should be to go do those things. Yeah, I should be really good at the job that I'm doing to show that I'm doing my part everybody should do their part. Right. And it, it is a community event. I love the mastermind thing. I do a real estate mastermind once a week for my, my two different real estate offices. And, um, 
it's so amazing what you can learn from people. Sometimes it's just the most boring thing. You're not going to learn a thing that particular Friday, right? Well, then next Friday, the light bulb goes off and you learn something. Um, I encourage people to attend those, go to those. Um, anytime someone's offering those things, um, it's worth it. You know, if it costs money, great, do it. It is worth it, I promise. Um, if it's free, go. Um, the opportunity to learn from people who are doing this um, at a different level, whatever mountain peak they happen to be on, it's going to be different than the one you're on, and you're going to learn something from that uh, as long as, you know, people are willing to share. And that, that to me, is as important, you know, with the, the VCP stuff like that, that vet. Um, we've got multiple vets like that who have been through the program who are coming back and who are helping out. Um, there's a video of me. It's uh, with a CNN program called The Great Big Story. Uh, there's a video of a vet named Karen. Um, if you go to The Great Big Story uh, and you Google um, homeless veteran housing, I think, or something like that, it should come up. Um, but it's a story about real estate and, and um, Karen. She's just an amazing um, person. She served in the Coast Guard back in 1978, I believe it was, for about two years. Uh, ended up in a bad relationship uh, after the kids were, were grown. That relationship ended. She was living in her car, living in hotels. Uh, she was one of our first 13 vets when we opened our first round of houses. We did it in phases. Uh, so we had 13 open, and she was one of our first vets. She would not unpack her stuff. It was months before she would unpack her stuff because she had been through these programs before and none of them are going to work you know, and all that. What she realized, though, and this is what's amazing about Karen is she's just a natural leader. Um, she noticed that everybody was all the other vets in the village were looking at her as a leader. And if she wasn't going to unpack her stuff, I'm not going to unpack my stuff either. Right. Um, so she decided, OK, I'm, I'm impacting these other folks. I'm going to do something. Again, this is who she is. So she unpacked and she started getting involved, started to do these things. Well, she went from homelessness in our program for about, I think it was 14 or 16 months, I can't remember exactly, uh, to now as a homeowner. So she got a Habitat home. And she was sad on the way out, we kind of talk about it in this video, um, that you know she was gonna be leaving all these people that she's sort of the matriarch to. Uh, and I said in the video, I talk about it, it was that we're moving our boxes out. And we talk about the fact that they're gonna see the boxes moving out and they know that that's possible for them, right? So it's not ideal for her. She wanted to stay there and be around these folks and help them, yet, it's perfect because she's moving forward like she should be, and she's still setting the example for these folks. So they want to follow in her footsteps. And so there's lots of stories like that that we have. And um, like I said, it's just it's an amazing program that, to your point earlier about the organization you picked up, we so there was five of us, all combat veterans, who started this. Um, I am by far the best looking and the smartest one, just for reference, um, the only Navy guy, too. Uh, which is why it's actually working. If it had been the other guys, it wouldn't probably be going at this point. But um, we we started something that other people thought, you know what, I want to be a part of that. The name Veterans Community Project means something. Community is in the middle because obviously we're serving veterans. It's an ongoing project. We can't do anything that we do without the community support. Whether it's someone who just wants to help a vet write a resume or um, help them learn how to cook, take them to the grocery store, um, whatever it happens to be, take care of their pets, whatever it happens to be, we connect the community with the veterans and the veterans back with the community. And what's been really amazing to me, and this is where I think as, as entrepreneurs or folks that are listening who are building these businesses potentially, what you need, I think you need to think about is sort of your exit strategy. When I coach agents, I always ask them, what's your exit strategy? Are you gonna do this forever? That's okay. 
yet what happens when you want to just spend time taking trips with your son, right? Um, who's going to run the business then? So what's your exit strategy? And I will tell you, we have been so blessed with all of the amazing people that have joined Veterans Community Project. It's not my organization anymore, right? It's, it's an organization I am absolutely a co-founder of and very proud of, yet we have some amazing talent that has come on board. And now I get to step back and watch them do things. Um, we hired my replacement out here. I was a temporary executive director in Colorado as we expand here. Uh, we hired my replacement, which I gotta tell you is hard because I've been doing this for a year and a half by myself out here. And now we have staff, we have three people. We've got a case manager, a director of development, and an executive director. And as I'm seeing emails go back and forth from the executive director to people I had relationships with where he's taking over, that kind of hurts a little bit, right? At the same time though, it's amazing. Cause I do, I step back and I go, this is exactly what we were supposed to be doing. We've got great talent. Who's going to take this even further um, than I probably could have. I, I always tell people that I'm probably more of a hindrance to an organization than, you know, helping it. So I get the idea going and then we bring in good talent and let those people go. And so so again, to your listeners, I would say as they're, as they're looking at whatever it is, the ideas they have in their head, one is implement, right? You got to go implement, you got to go and execute um, at a really high level. You have to be relentless about what you're doing. Don't take no for an answer. When we first started meeting with the city of Kansas City, who was super supportive of us, um, I remember sitting in a city council meeting and they were asking us questions and I got to be honest, we had no idea what we were talking about. Like, I didn't know, like, I'm like, yeah, we're saying stuff, stuff's coming out of our mouth, but we had no idea. And uh, we left that meeting. I'm going, what are we doing? We have no idea what we're talking about yet. Here we are, right? We made it work. So be relentless about that um, to surround yourself with, you know, really good people uh, to make sure that, you know, you get, you get that accountability going. And then three, look for opportunities to bring in really smart people. Uh, have them help you with this because as much as this was a great idea when we started it five years ago, it's even better today because of all the new ideas and the new people and the new talent we have. Um, always be looking for, for that talent as well. Um, you, by the way, were the right talent in the organization when you came in as, as one of its members, right? Um, that wasn't the idea, obviously, when it started, when you were doing one deal a year, but now all of a sudden here you are. Uh, and so that's the same kind of thing. Everybody, um, we talk about it at my real estate company. Uh, the, the guy who uh, runs a company talks about, it. he says, you're five years away from wherever it is you want to be. That's it. You're five years away from wherever you want to be when you're relentless and you put that focus on it, right? Um, you can be, you're going to be somewhere in five years. Where are you going to be in five years? You can be absolutely where you want to be. You overestimate what you can do in one year and you underestimate what you can do in five. So balance those things out a little bit and then you know, move forward and just press on what it is you need to do. Um, but don't let those ideas just sit in your head. If you've got an idea out there that's going to change the world, this was literally an idea on a napkin. We, we wrote it out on, in a bar. There may have been some alcohol involved. Um, you know, that was basically the idea. It was just written out on a napkin. And here, five years later, we're in nationwide charitable organizations with great organizations like this who are writing big checks for us to go build houses for homeless veterans. It's amazing and very humbling, truthfully, um, that we're in that position. It just wasn't me that did all that. Um, it was a group of people and it was definitely a group effort. Well, a good leader gives credit um, all the time and takes blame, right? That's what the best leaders do. It's the window in the mirror analogy from Jim Collins is good to great book. It's uh, yep. amazing. You know, you, you're, you're kind of living this who, not the how concept. Like go find who already knows how to do certain things, 
who's already got these things established, plug into them. You don't have to figure out how to build the cane. You don't have to figure out how to do uh, all of these things. You, you guys found your niche, you carved it out, and it's amazing to see this. Like, I'm, I'm actually floored by, I, I assume we are gonna talk about how much does it cost to build a little house? How can you do that? How do you get somebody in? I, I thought they lived there forever. Like, I'm learning a lot more about this organization and sounding like more and more like the, at the like better and better. For with like every every sentence that you that you talk about, every vision that you cast, like all that stuff. Like for us as visionaries, we can see the future, see around corners. We know what we want to do, and then like you did, you plug in the how do we get there? Like the who who already knows how to do that stuff? How can we speed up the process and get to that place? You know, the interesting thing that we talked about pre-show, and I like to cover it. We we do need to wrap this thing up at some point. So, um, but what I want to I want to touch on the fact that you mentioned that a lot of people see homeless folks as being like a, a deterrent from a community and being a real estate agent, uh, like the, 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 um, what am I looking for? Curb appeal, like the mm -hmm. look of things, like how does it feel when you're driving up determines the value potentially of properties and areas. And you yeah. mentioned something pre-show of actually like you guys have been able to do something that most people would think is impossible of actually increasing the value of that area. Can you just touch on that for a, yeah. real quick? Yep, absolutely. So in Kansas City, we bought this uh, five acres of land, didn't have any uh, infrastructure, no sewer, water, electric. Uh, the city had a land bank, um, tax repo things, all that kind of stuff. They sold it to us for $500 because we we're a nonprofit um, getting started. And um, the retail value of that land probably would have been about 40,000 bucks at the time. Okay. So for this five acres, um, we built a tiny house community for homeless veterans, including a 5,000 square foot community center, all that. We provide those services. Our houses are, it's just awesome. Um, they have different um, front uh, or they do have different roof pitches. They have some different front elevations to them so that they, it looks more like a subdivision. That was also one of the things that I, my inputs is I wanted to look like a subdivision, not a row of just tract houses, right? Um, we had the land reappraised. Remember I said it was about 40,000 was, would have been retail about five years ago. Um, we had it reappraised for about $1.5 million. So we moved homeless people to a plot of land and raised its value. And as a, a real estate professional here, what I will tell you is I've done some analysis in the area around it. Uh, and there's been some anecdotal stories of things as well. It looks like not only did we raise the property value of the property we we've improved, uh, with homeless folks, we've actually improved the local property values in the areas around the community, uh, which again changes the narrative around homelessness is, oh, we don't want, you know, homeless folks in our backyard. In reality, we're increasing property values by doing it the way we're doing it. So fast forward a little bit to our community in Longmont, Colorado, and there's a developer out here who is building a subdivision of, of houses, single family condos and townhouses, um, pricing to be determined, but somewhere between 350000 for the condos all the way to $900,000 for the single family homes. Uh, we're in Longmont, so the mountains, the, the certain lots will have mountain views 20 minutes to the west, um, beautiful area. And the developer uh, came to Kansas City, looked at our tiny houses when they were looking for a, an organization to partner with and said, his, he said it was his aha moment. He said, I would live next to one of these. So he put his money where his mouth is and he um, has basically donated uh, two acres of land for us uh, next to this new subdivision he's building. He's including sewer, water and electric infrastructure for us uh, and donating the land to us. Um, so all of the, the groundwork, all of the, uh, the horizontal stuff, we basically just take the houses vertical. Uh, it's about a $4 million donation he's making. And he is literally putting homeless veterans 
right next to a subdivision of $900,000 houses. And this would be the only place in the country I know this is happening. And um, as a real estate professional, I will tell you, that's amazing to me that one, we could do that in Kansas City the way we did. Yet now somebody else has come along with another idea and said, hey, we're going to one up that. And we're going to do this here. Uh, he's working with developer friends that he has around the country to say, hey, give these guys land and let's start building these communities um, you know, of tiny houses for homeless veterans next to these subdivisions. He feels like um, compassion should also be an amenity, not only the pool and the uh, clubhouse and things like that in these subdivisions, but also uh, compassion. And he's putting his money where his mouth is with, uh, with the donation of the land for us to build. He's also donating uh, above and beyond that, he's donating some of the land to um, Habitat for Humanity as well. So they'll have eight houses uh, for Habitat on one end of the property. We'll have our tiny houses for homeless veterans, transitional housing, and then you'll have a subdivision of three hundred and fifty to $900,000. Um, we were joking this morning, actually, we were out at the property and talking to him, and he was joking how the veterans are going to have some of the best views um, because they look right out onto the mountains. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, and, again, that all comes from good ideas that started on a napkin, and five years later there's other people taking that to the next level. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive. It's awesome. It's absolutely amazing. Like the, the, it's the same thing that I, I talk about inside a business. You, you do that like first deal. That's like the hardest one, right? Probably your first commission check. You probably still remember it. Like, yep. yeah, this was a challenge. My first flip, my first wholesale deal, my first anything, my first rental property. I just remember like when I punched that first one, that was like the hardest thing. And then it starts to get easier over time. Like you guys have the credibility. He, they actually have something to look at. They see something in Kansas City that you've done. Now you can go there. Now you have the credibility that we got another developer and he can talk to some of the other people. And eventually it's just going to go like this. It just starts like wildfire. And I think that's anything that we do. It's our spiritual life. It's our family. It's our business. It's uh, impact and, and donations and giving and all this stuff. Like once you start, start going and start, it's like the flywheel effect. I mean, I'll go back yeah. to Jim Collins, the flywheel's going and it's so easy to keep it going and speed it up than it is to kind of stop it and start it again. So just that, that start, that first push is a challenge. So we've had over 3000 other cities reach out to us and ask us to do what we're doing in Kansas city and their towns. Our plan right now is to be in eight different cities by the end of 2022. Um, so we've got some other cities identified. I can't say right now, um, no breaking news yet, but um, uh, soon we'll be in, in all these cities. And it is really, it's about just that momentum is, again, like I go back to, you got that idea rattling around in your head, do something with it, right? Don't just sit on it, go execute and just execute at a better, higher level than the, the person next to you is doing. Um, and by the way, it may not go anywhere. That's okay. Go to the next one, right? Um, not every idea has to be successful. I've had plenty of ideas that are not successful. My wife has probably a whole list of them she keeps. Um, and so, you know, just know that not everything is going to be successful yet. How do, you, how do you look at that? I look at it as an opportunity to learn from those things, right? Failing forward is awesome. My staff knows that. Fail forward all day long. I make mistakes. It's okay. As long as you learn from them, don't make the same mistake twice. Just learn and keep on moving forward. That's normal. That happens. Um, I had to buy a client a new roof because I screwed up right? Um, that's an expensive mistake to make. Um, I'm going to make it right though. It's what I do from a customer service standpoint. Yet again, I make mistakes. So don't expect the people around you to never screw up. They're going to um, just learn from that, right? Everybody takes an, a lesson from that. It's how you look at that. You just move forward and you keep on going and you plug away. And next thing you know, the we could be, and I've, I've mentioned this to our staff, the VA estimates there's four, around 40,000 homeless veterans sleeping on the streets any given night in the United States. Our tiny house communities 
in every city everywhere uh, that wants them, big cities, small cities, all that. Could that be, and I've asked the staff this question is, could that be, could this be the thing that ends veteran homelessness in the United States? The answer is yes. It is entirely possible that this little idea on a napkin five years ago could be the thing that ends veteran homelessness in the United States when we're next to high-end subdivisions and all that. That removes another barrier, and that was not something we thought of five years ago. So again, you never know where that idea is going to go. Just you got to go execute and implement and surround yourself with good, solid people. Um, and you know, like like the, your listeners here, um, they are all on a path, right? They've got a vision and they've got an idea. You just have to go execute, and you do not have to reinvent any of that stuff. It's it's more about finding who's than the hows. The hows have already been done. Very rarely is there a, a brand new how. Um, but there are certainly a lot of who's that have already been there and done that. Find those people and, and find the ones that want to help you. If they're jerks, don't work with those people. Find the next one. There's somebody else out there who's just as successful who will be willing to help you get where you want to get. That's awesome. Uh, w- all that words to live by, like everything. That's, if you guys are still at this point listening to this, um, you're all in with us. Like the impact is driving you. you are, you're thinking about something that you want to do. There's something that you're daydreaming about because we can't focus for over an hour on a podcast. You're thinking about something. You're th- it, we're, we're pushing you in some direction or another, or you're getting pulled more likely than getting pushed. You're getting pulled in the direction that you need to be going and want to go. And maybe, um, like Mark said, speed up the timeline a little bit. Like think about how, like, what is it going to take? Who do I need to get in touch with? What do I need to do to do that thing? And if you're not ready for that, then, you know, hey, where am I going to make my donation? Where is my impact going to go? And maybe you are just really, really good at making a lot of money. And a lot of these organizations, that's what they need. Like what I've realized is I don't have a lot of time. I don't have a lot of uh, capacity, spare capacity right now to jump in and, and create something new right now. But I can make donations. I can give them what they need. So um, I just like for me, I knew that my superpower was doing these live events and putting on events and bringing people together. So how could I bring people together and, and make this content so good that we could sell tickets to it, and then we can take this money and donate it to a charity. And I'm so thankful that Eric brought me to you guys, that we were able to have this conversation today, and we were able to plug into this charity, Veterans Community Project. And if you are a listener of this podcast, or you've come to Flip Hacking Live, or you've been a part of our mastermind group, you are the reason why we were even able to have a platform to sell tickets to this event. Whether you attend it or not, you're a part of it. The fact that you're sharing our stuff, you're subscribing to the podcast, you're, you're writing reviews, you're talking to your friends, you're inviting people to Flip Hacking Live or anything that we do. You have given me the platform to be able to do something like this where we were able to raise $35,000 to donate to them, which is what it takes to build a house there. Am I right, 35,000? Yep, 35,000, yep, that's awesome. Okay, good. So I mean, much. you could have just tacked on another five and I probably would have said okay. Uh, it's 55,000. So, <laughs> so, so like, and you know, the other thing is, it's very clear to me of having these conversations where in the beginning I thought, okay, they just need to fund the number of houses in this, in this area, that's what they need. But it's obvious that that's not the case. They have turnover, they have taxes, they have utilities, they have all of these other expenses and fees. And they're also buying canes and driving people around and doing it. It's very clear to me that it's not just the houses now. So now my challenge is, okay, how do we figure out how to raise more money than that? Like how, what's the next level opportunity that we have to partner with you guys and do different things together? So like, what do you guys need? What, what is the, what's like kind of ask that you have when somebody comes to you and says, okay, hey, well, we fully funded the homes here. We got 3,000 uh, different cities asking us for stuff. Like, what do you need? 
So um, I'm the only founder that didn't go full-time into the organization originally. Um, I stayed selling real estate. My goal has always been to write a big six-figure check to the uh, charity that I started. Um, and that's my goal with selling real estate is to be able to do that. Um, in any nonprofit, I will tell you, it's always about dollars, right? Um, we call them unrestricted funds. So if people are thinking, you know what, I'm not in Kansas City, I'm not in Longmont, I want to do something, I'll tell you what, go to veteranscommunityproject.org and click donate. Um, you can even sign up if you are going to be in one of those areas at some point. Um, our plan, by the way, for building houses in, in Longmont is we're going to do a groundbreaking uh, in the next month or so. Uh, they'll start infrastructure work, uh, sewer, water, electric, all that takes a long time. Uh, by next spring, uh, we should be building uh, through the fall. Our hope is to be done with our village in the fall of next year out here in Colorado. So hey, if you're, if you're in the area and you want to volunteer, go to the website, just click volunteer and then you can just sign up that way uh, we send out notices a lot we're on facebook at veterans community project you can go look us up we're very active out there um, we put out requests for help and all that so if it really we try to be as creative as possible and allow people to contribute in the way that they want we have um, amazon wish lists for example when a vet leaves they get to take all the stuff with them to their next place uh, the government will provide an apartment, for example, but it doesn't come with anything. No bed, no nothing. So we let them take all of their stuff with them so that they can start you know, with stuff. They don't have to go into the hole trying to figure that out. So they get to take all that stuff. Well, then we have a new vet that's gonna come in. So we create an Amazon wish list. And literally, if all you can do is go buy pillowcases or plates or whatever, but you don't have time to go do that, all you have to do is click, go to Facebook. The list will be out there, you click on it, and then you just hit buy on Amazon, it ships it directly to us, and then you've helped us out. Uh, you're helping house a homeless vet by just shipping plates on an Amazon wish list. Um, things like that, too, all the way to, hey, you got $10 a month you can donate, great. That's how we hire our case managers who help make sure that we can go buy canes and do those things and we need dollars to go buy canes. So um, always we're all going to ask for dollars. Um, we'll look for help as well, whether you don't have to have any skills. That's why I'm here, by the way, no skills. Um, so uh, we look for volunteers at various events. Sometimes it's just touring people through our tiny house model. We have a few of those that go around various cities. Uh, so maybe just giving people a tour saying, hey, here's what the house is, here's what the vision is, uh, to helping build houses. Uh, we look for volunteers to help with that. Again, you don't have to have skills to do that. So lots of opportunities to physically be involved, lots of opportunities to open up a wallet and write a check. Um, that's where we really honestly need the most of that is to uh, make sure we can continue to help vets is, is with donations. So, it, and don't feel like, please, whenever you're supporting an organization, if it's not us, that's okay. Um, whatever organization you, you are passionate about, please go support them. It can be as little as five or $10 or whatever you can afford that really does make a difference because when hundreds of people do that it really matters and again as a guy who works in the nonprofit world uh, it really does make an impact and allows us to help people and so we're super excited about that so again just veteranscommunityproject.org um, whatever it is you want to do that you can do reach out there's an info mailbox you can just click on that and send a message um, that's how we connected with uh, Eric who connected us with you by the way and that's how you guys again have donated that money so um, it's it's a network it's right it's all about the who's so again I, I appreciate you one letting me babble uh, to um, letting us share our story about how we got there and three hopefully it's inspiring enough for some folks to to get up and just man get out of bed go do what you need to do work hard um, it can be building the widgets that's okay if that's your gig build the widgets right uh, then go do other things that uh, make an impact on the world I tell people all the time my kids will never remember how many houses dad sold last year they are gonna know that we are making an impact and potentially solving 
uh, veteran homelessness around the country. That's an awesome legacy and I'm okay with that. Man, you motivate me. I need to go out and do more. I'm ready. So this is a challenge to anybody. Like it's possible, right? Mark, his friends in a bar, writing on a napkin and look what, look what sprouted and kind of blossomed from this, right? So absolutely amazing. When's the groundbreaking? It's like the end uh, it's of July, be, right, August. It looks like at the end of August is what we're looking at right now. Um, we'll post more on our social media and all that stuff. So again, just go to Veterans Community Project, uh, either the website or Facebook. Uh, and I think we're on the Insta chat grams as well for the young people. Uh, but you can go out there and um, we'll post all of the, the dates and events and all that kind of stuff. COVID's made it obviously a little bit difficult for us to do some of these things, but we'll, we'll have some virtual opportunities for people as well. So. Awesome. Well, my goal, if, if it's possible, and I'm working with your team is to fly out there um, I have like a little airplane, fly out there to Colorado to see that, and then also fly out there at some point and help with some of the building and stuff like that. Maybe take a Absolutely. week, maybe bring some of our mastermind members out there. If anybody's listening and this is something that interests you and you're one of our mastermind members, post inside of our mastermind group and talk about it and let's come up with something. And then if you're in our free Facebook group and not a mastermind member, then uh, talk about it in there too. What I'd like to do, since it's the end of August, um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to challenge you guys out there to, to donate. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, now that I understand what the restricted and unrestricted funds are, what I'm, we're going to do is create, we'll create an unrestricted link with you guys. We'll post it in the show notes. And if you donate bef uh, by the end of August, so I'll cut it off. Uh, I think it's August got 30 days, something like that. Um, the end of August, I will match whatever you donate. So if you donate it, awesome. then I'll match it uh, from our community, seven figure flipping you guys, how, how hard you hit me. We'll see how big the, uh, I have to open my wallet to go out there. So Hit me hard, uh, make me pay for it, and we'll match it, and, uh, and we'll see what we can do. Um, maybe we can, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the kind of funding takes, but $35,000, it was a push. It was a challenge to, uh, to raise that on the, um, the military event, but let's see if we can match that in unrestricted funds. That would be absolutely awesome. So um, I'm happy to match dollar for dollar uh, up through that end of the groundbreaking so I can bring them a big check uh, when I go. So uh, hopefully that, that helps. We're also going to include, uh, we'll include the website. We'll include the uh, great big story that you talked about with Karen. I'll find it and I'll include it in the show notes. So make sure you guys uh, go to the show notes or go to our website, sevenbiggerflipping.com and look at the podcast link and you can grab all the show notes here. You can click all this stuff. You can donate at that spot. Donate through our link. I want to see it. I'll match it uh, dollar for dollar and send it over to them. Uh, Mark, any, any sa saved rounds, last minute things? No, Bill, I appreciate, like I said, I appreciate the time. I appreciate all your listeners um, letting us get our story out and even sometimes just sharing our story that, that helps a ton too. So like I said, just don't, don't, please don't sit on whatever idea is sitting in your head. Just get out there and do it. Find a who, uh, ask a ton of people. Don't take no for an answer. Just like, like Bill shirt says, it's relentless, right? Just be relentless about it. And I promise you will be successful. It may not be that mountaintop you need to be on. Maybe you need to be on another one. Uh, just keep on, keep on keeping on. Don't give up. All right, we're going to name this podcast Relentless Impact. So what, awesome. kind of, what can you do out there? It seems to be the theme going on, this relentlessness. So um, all right, Mark, thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, for the, those of you guys that are listening, make sure that you subscribe, leave a rating and review for us. If you love this podcast, take a screenshot of it, post it on your social media, tag us, tag the Veterans Community Project, like get their information out to as many people as possible. If you can't donate, it's not something that you're in the place for, or you already have another charity, just like Mark said, just share more about them. You never know who's going to see that and who's going to go, oh my gosh, I, this, is, this is interesting. They dig a little deeper. They start getting excited about it. You never know what's going to happen. I'm sure that when Eric came into your world, they didn't know it was going to come to me. I had no idea. And so now I'm able to put you guys on our platform and hopefully you guys just take a screenshot of the podcast, 
um, put it up. Mark said he's a good looking guy. Put it out there on social media. And, uh, and hopefully you guys are leading, leaving us a rating review that's going to let us get more in front of more people. And uh, subscribing to the podcast is an absolute honor to put this together. I love serving you guys and bringing like, incredible organizations like this into our world. So a little bit about business today, a little bit about mindset, a little bit about growth, and a lot about impact and what you can do. So get out there, take action, and uh, see where you go from here. Mark, thanks so much for spending time with me today. I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. And I'm even more excited about what we could do together in the future. Awesome. Thank you very much. All right, guys. I'll see you on the next podcast. Life is changing. Your business is changing. Everything's changing. There's only one option that we have. We have to pivot. We have to make a change. We have to go in a different direction. Flip Hacking Live is evolving. We're changing, we're adapting, we're adjusting into this new opportunity. This virtual experience is gonna be jam-packed with tips, strategies, techniques, the same great speakers, breakout sessions, networking opportunities that you would typically see at a live event in person. But we are able to come into your home, wherever you are, into your office. This is an amazing opportunity that you cannot afford to miss.